0: Welcome to the Impact Church podcast. We are a community that doesn't pretend to have all the answers, but aims to have all the hope that you could ever need. We pray that this message is helpful and encourages you no matter what season of life you're in. Enjoy this week's message. Super excited to kick off a brand new um, topic for us this morning called Are You Still Watching? Um, if you have a Netflix account, you're probably familiar with that phrase. It, uh, it turns up about three or four episodes in. If you are like, I'm just going to watch one tonight, you let it roll through. Usually Netflix freezes on you and pops that screen up in front of you. Are you still watching? You have to select yes or no. It's like, you kind of feel attacked when it appears. Um, but it poses this interesting tension, right? Where we just like, we can just let things slide by. We can just let time drift by without actually necessarily pausing to stop and think critically about it. So it's nice that Netflix does that for us. Um, So we want to consider that question when it comes to the way we might be following Jesus in our own lives. Is it something that's just kind of sliding by without too much intention? Is it something that you're kind of losing track of time on without actually stopping and checking and going, am I actually living out what I read here? Am I living out what I'm experiencing through my prayer life here? Am am I looking, sounding, and I don't know, I guess, smelling like a follower of Jesus? Or am I just letting it pass me by? It's a question that we're going to spend a few weeks considering Um, together as we gather for our All In gatherings here, um, which I'm looking forward to tackling. But just before I do jump into um, the first kind of few ideas that I want to share this morning, um, I did want to say as well, if you are a a regular member um, of Impact Church here this week, we're actually way, way back at the start of term three, we've just launched term four for for those who the school calendar matters to, but approximately 10 to 12 weeks ago, um, we made the decision to begin trialing, as we've talked about this morning, the idea of gathering here one week and then meeting in homes the other week and Maddie shared a lot of the reasoning around that a little bit earlier. We're gonna be SMSing out a, uh, a feedback opportunity, just a short survey. Um, which will give you the chance to respond to how you've found that so far. Um, It isn't just um, hopefully something that I'm excited about, (laughs) but something that hopefully you've got some thoughts on now that we've given it a try together as well. So looking to have an opportunity to get some of that feedback from you. So that'll come out via SMS. You'll have the opportunity to answer just a couple quick questions. Um, If you have any problems with it, I can also provide paper copies and all that kind of thing. So please do come and see myself or Maddie in the lanyard. Um, or Heather in the lanyard as well this morning, if you've got any questions about that, um, and they can just pass that on to me that you might like a paper copy or anything like that. But um, really excited to hear about, I know Eleanor and I have talked lots about how it's been gathering in home every second week to, to, to meet in that way and, and what that's meant for us. So looking forward to hearing more about some of your thoughts on that, which will, of course, inform where we go moving forward. So that little bit of housekeeping out of the way, let's jump into the first of this series, Are You Still Watching? What is it that you get so enthralled with that you lose track of all time? Maybe it is Netflix, or could it be something else? What is it that when you're doing it, when you're reading it, when you're thinking about it, when you're watching it, whatever it is, when you're eating it, I don't know, you lose complete track of all time that there is so much enjoyment, delight, or fun that you can look at your watch and then go, that was fifteen minutes, I'm sure of it, and then all of a sudden an hour slips by. It could be barbecuing or guitaring or I don't know. I'm looking around the room, I'm getting a few few ideas here. But what is it? I'm sure that I'm sure there's an answer for you. A little bit of a um, alert coming up, but one of the things that comes straight to mind for me when I think about that question is a scenario that happened pretty early on in Eleanor and I's dating relationship, where I, I to this point, had always kind of had this rule that like nothing, and if you're, if you're um, thinking about dating in the room, take note here, nothing godly happens after 10 p.m. <laughs> so uh, once 10 p.m. comes just get out of there. just just leave just 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 go so that was kind of like a general principle that I'd always kind of had when it came to dating relationships I was like look after 10 p.m. let's just get out of there. let's just go home let's just call it there we'll come back tomorrow you can fill in the gaps on why you think that's a good principle as much as you want but there yeah, free wisdom for you however Eleanor and I actually found a little bit of a workaround when it came to this nothing happens that's good after 10 p.m. rule. Pretty early on in our relationship when Eleanor travelled overseas. And see, the thing about that was when it was 10 p.m. for me, it was only like 9 a.m. for Eleanor and then vice versa. And so there was this night where Eleanor, you, you caught a flight to London And you ended up there without the friend you were supposed to be traveling with. And so I was like, oh, well, I'm heroic and I'm going to make sure you're safe. So I'm going to call you and stay on the phone and make sure everything's okay. You know, whatever. I gave you the blur alert. Don't look at me like that. And so I call Eleanor and we begin to talk. No no word. I, I have a screen. I should have found the screenshot. No word. Eight hours later. I looked at the phone and thought, oh no, where'd the whole night just go? (laughs) As I'd spent eight hours, well after 10 p.m. for me, but it was a.m. for her, so it's all fine. Eight hours on the phone talking with this girl who I'd just gotten into a dating relationship with. I had lost complete track of time. I had completely lost track of where the night had gone and all of a sudden it was the next morning and I think it was even a Sunday morning and I had to go and lead worship that morning. So apologies to anyone who was there that morning and still remembers anything that I said that morning. You see, we loved each other's company so much that time just slipped by because of things like this, right? Enjoyment, fun, delight, and all of a sudden the ability to understand Where time goes, just absolutely vanishes. I don't know what the answer is for you around that. What are the things that you associate this word with? But I am curious whether you have ever associated that word with Christianity, with faith, with following Jesus. Have you ever associated them with Christ, What is the first thing, perhaps another way to say, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about God? Now you could be here this morning years down the track of saying you would be a follower of Jesus, of, of being a Christian. Or maybe you've got more questions than answers about it, but you can nonetheless answer this question either way. What is the first thing that springs to mind? Is it words like this? I'd, I'd be curious to know. C.S. Lewis said this, My idea of God is not God. I need my ideas smashed. He does it himself. My idea of God is not God. It's kind of a weird sentence to read straight off the bat, but when you dig a little deeper into what C.S. Lewis was getting at, have you become so comfortable or familiar dare I say complacent, with the picture of your creator that you have, whether favorable or not, that you actually haven't taken the time for quite a while to allow that idea to be shaped, to be transformed, to be renewed in some sort of significant way, either through maybe some sort of private discipline of, spending some time in private prayer or gathering with others to do a Bible study, whatever it might look like, but have you you become so familiar with it that your idea of God has become so certain that it's been a while since there was a sense of enjoyment or delight or wonder or awe when it comes to your journey considering God Relationship with him and the implications of Jesus and who he said he was and what he said he's done. C.S. Lewis goes on from that sentence, as I said before, my idea of God is not God. He he goes on to say, I need my ideas smashed. C.S. Lewis was not content with just the idea of God that he had shaped to that point of his life. He wanted more. He wanted to know more. He He not only wanted to add to, but actually have his expectations, the ideas that he had, completely smashed. I love that enthusiasm. I love that idea that we would revisit again and again our picture of faith, our picture of relationship with God in a way that would blow us away. And he suggested that God does it Himself, So it's this idea of stopping, pausing, submitting our ideas of God, submitting our ideas of Jesus, of salvation, of relationship with our Creator, and submitting those to Jesus Himself. And maybe even asking the Holy Spirit to guide us towards something new that we hadn't noticed before towards something we maybe hadn't paid attention to in a while? Have you stopped to do that any time recently? Jesus Himself, after healing a blind man, addressed the crowd about the idea of spiritual blindness, about the idea of having the wrong view of God and how that could alter the way that you live about the way that they experienced God and thought of themselves relating to Him and the way that it could shift the way that they lived. Now, Jesus Himself, we know now to be the perfect picture of God Himself. That's what we say when we believe Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one. So He clarified for them, Jesus Himself, what He was like. He clarified for himself to the crowd that was surrounding him after watching this miracle, after healing a blind man. You can imagine the, 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 the enthusiasm with which everyone would have been looking at Jesus, waiting to hear what he was going to say or what he was going to do next. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus gives us this contrast. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I, using a contrast, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. What comes to mind when you think of this description that Jesus gives of the Father, of himself? around the idea of having a right idea, a right understanding of your standing, your relationship, the character of God. A helpful paradigm to think about this might be around the coexisting realities of both duties and delights. Duties and delights. We have both, right? And both are necessary. It's the difference between what I get to do versus the things that that I have to do. The things that I get to do versus the things that I have to do. Duties are the things that we must do. Delights are the things that we actually love to do. And so when it comes to God and faith and the idea of a personal relationship with Jesus, which one of these two dynamics best resembles your experience. Now let me very quickly say that duty is very much a part of it. Duty is very much a part of it. Duty's act, the things that we should do, the things that we must do, the duties that we have when it comes to our relationship with our Heavenly Father are like guardrails. When it comes to my thinking about the duties that I've put in place in, in my life in terms of the way that I like to follow Jesus, there are guardrails that I've put in place that could lead me into a dangerous track if I didn't have them in place. For example, a very simple idea of pausing and spending time in the Word as a personal discipline for myself. Not just depending on someone else to read it to me or teach it to me, but spending personal time reading the Bible and what it says about God and His character and the way I can respond to that. It's not always delightful. Sometimes I love it. Sometimes I do. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it jumps out at you. If you've got a discipline like this of your own, you'd know. Sometimes it jumps out of you and it's the best part of the day. And there are seasons you go through where you're like, this is the, I, I love the part of the day where it's me, my cup of tea and the Bible and no one else is bothering me. Best time of the day. But then there's other times where it's like, I don't know, maybe you've heard this phrase it's like a dry season where you're like, oh man, I'm just not getting anything out of this but it 's in those moments where the guardrails kick in right it 's in those moments where, even though it might not feel good it 's still good for me, and so even when you know i 've had a few short nights of sleep for whatever reason, my fault works fault, whatever it is whatever 's going on family 's fault whatever whatever it is, in the moments where i 'm like oh, I just want to sleep in this way i don 't want to do that i 'm not even reading an exciting i 'm reading some old testament book and i don 't even understand half the names of it. I still know that it's good for me to get up, and to execute that discipline. That's a duty. That's a guardrail. But we cannot ignore the contrast that Jesus gives us in John ten ten, when he says that he has come that we may have life to the full. When he refers to life to the full, it's not duty that comes to mind for me. It's something more along the lines of delight. So has been this Has this been sorry, your experience of Jesus? Yes, duties. Yes, things that we should do. But it would seem that there's supposed to be much more to the journey of following Jesus. Things that should delight us, that should spark joy. And so over the next few weeks as we ask this que- these questions around this idea of duty versus delight, I want us to discover... Again, I hope that you personally might discover again what it is to experience not only the duties that Jesus can teach us to help us keep our lives on the straight and narrow, which maybe, maybe that's the thing that scared you away from exploring a personal relationship with Jesus in the first place, the things that you feel like you have to do. But would we spend the moments over the next few weeks together considering what are the things that I get to do? as a result of following Jesus? What are the things that I love to do? What are the things that bring me life to the full? Why is it important to actually pause and ask this question? It seems like it wouldn't be that complicated, but remember the contrast. There was also a warning. Jesus says very clearly that there are counterfeits out there. There are things that come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so Jesus' original audience would have stood up when they heard this. right? If anyone says anything along the lines of, I've come that you may have life to the full. It's kind of like, okay, what's this guy selling? (laughs) I'm, I'm interested in what might come from that. In the, in the time period when Jesus was giving this teaching, the search for life was a part of their conversation, maybe even more regularly than it is now. In some ways, we're perhaps more distracted than ever from the big, important, as Charles mentioned, complicated questions that sometimes we don't actually take the time to consider, even though they might just be the most important questions we ever ask. It's easier to spend time gaming or watching or hanging or whatever it is than it is to pause and actually ask questions of eternity and morality and those kinds of things. But in Jesus' day, they would, have, they would have heard this and gone, okay, what's this guy got for us? Is he the same as every other religious teacher we've had? Or is this something new? Well, they were paying attention because he just healed a blind man. That's for sure. But as in all generations, the conversation, the way that we phrase these big questions of meaning of life, the, th- the, the way that we ask these, they, they change, right? Viktor Frankl wrote an incredible book, if you're familiar with it as a holocaust survivor and he kind of came to it and it kind of summarized the way a whole generation looked at it he said life isn't in the pursuit of pleasure or power but meaning life isn't found in the pursuit of pleasure or power but in meaning And by meaning, he referred to things like you could find it in your work, or you could find it in love, or you could find it in having courage in the face of adversity. These things will give you life to the full, Viktor Frankl might argue. Or for a slightly more contemporary, just slightly more contemporary version, at the AFL Grand Final, there was a great artist by the name of Robbie Williams who penned these lyrics, if we've got them. I just want to feel real love. Someone want to sing it back to me? <laughs> feel the home that I live in. Because I got too much life running through my veins going to waste. You could almost say that that summarizes the current state in some ways that we're facing. The thing that people are trying to find meaning in, that are trying to find life to the full, it's about what we're feeling, the way things make me feel. Frankel had the emphasis on what we 're doing and the meaning that it gives us, where you could argue today it's more important about it 's more important to consider how it makes us feel. but back to jesus 's day, he addressed them about the source of life and where they were looking, because that was the conversation of the day that was where the focus was when it came to considering life and life to the full and in John, in the same book, in chapter 4, verse 39, we find Jesus addressing them about this very topic. He says, you study the Scriptures, because this is where they looked, right? Like they looked to the religious experts of the day, those in the temple, those living the high righteous life, and what the Scriptures could teach them. He said, you study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life and then jesus says something that would have been incredibly controversial he says these are the very scriptures that testify about me all of these things that you're looking to to try and find purpose meaning life understanding all of these things they're actually all pointing to me no wonder he found himself in hot water Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And of course, we know how the story progressed. Some chose to follow, some did not. Those who did not ended up capturing him, having their way with him. And yet three days later, he overcame it. So given what we have on offer here from Jesus, given what we know about Jesus, as we look at the scriptures and what he taught and the way he lived and the way he was able to predict that he would be captured and killed, and given what he said about life and life to the full, why would we not go to Jesus for delight? As well as guardrails, as well as duties. Well, it's possible. It's possible. Even likely. If you grew up around faith, maybe you just weren't told about this side of it. Maybe you were just not told about this side of following Jesus. Maybe it was more about what you could do and not what he has already done for you. What were your first impressions of Jesus? If you go way back to the first time you heard, what were the first impressions that you had of Jesus? When I was just out of high school, the first job that I kind of had to try and get myself to union back and not run out of fuel during the week was working as a a labourer on a a work site, helping to build a home of a a friend who, who was a bit of an eccentric architect. So it was a lot of fun to be a part of and he, built, he bought a block that was kind of on a slope that everyone kind of just, it was in this like really popular estate, but there was this one corner block on a really steep slope that everyone was like, "Nah, just don't touch that. That's just crazy. No one's going to build on that. Enter my friend Dion. And Dion came up with this design with his engineer and architect friends and, they, and for this sloping block. And the first part of it that we had to do was carry these enormous pylons that he was going to drive deep into the ground that were going to provide kind of the the stilts, I guess, sorry, I don't know the proper language for it, but the, the drive them into ground that we're going to provide the platform to build the home in high above the slope. And it wasn't just like some small rectangular basic design that he was going for. It had like a garage and then like one tunnel going off that way, hallway, corridor going off that way, and then another one coming down. And so we're like putting these poles around everywhere. And by the end of that week, I remember just looking around and thinking, what are we doing? Standing on this slope, trying not to lose my grip, and looking at the the poles that we dug into the ground all week, and I'm thinking, well, what are we going to do? This way above me, I'm like, what? What is this going to be? I can't, I can't see where we're going with this. I was a little skeptical, as was the builder, who Dion had hired to do it. Him and I would exchange words, particularly when we were carrying some of the heavier poles that had to go down the bottom and had to go way, way above our heads. What on earth is this for? What is Dion thinking? But it wasn't until I saw it complete. It wasn't until I saw what Dion had come up with, till we'd added the floor and the walls and the framing and the gypro, and we added the roof and started to take shape. And I could see what it was that Dion had in mind that I started to go, oh, okay, this is beginning to make sense to me. The first impression that I had was that Dion had gone mad and I should quit and go get another job as fast as I possibly could. But as it progressed, it very quickly became obvious that Dion actually had something pretty spectacular in the works. It was a lot of fun to be a part of in the end. And isn't this so often the case that our first impression of something isn't the full picture? Our first impression of a person or a job or someone you know who brings over someone they're dating for the first time Whatever it is, the first impression isn't often the complete picture. So, is it possible that if your journey in considering the Christian faith, in considering following Jesus to this point, if it's felt more like duty than delight, and like I've said, there is both, but if it has if it really lacked in the balance of the two? Is it possible that the first impression you got just might not yet be complete? It might not necessarily be wrong, but it could be incomplete. You may have been introduced to a Jesus that was entirely tied to duty. But you may have never been introduced to a Jesus of delight. Something very simple you could do. Something very simple we could do. Read the Gospels for ourselves. Spend time with the words we have written about Jesus himself. Coming to an understanding of who this man was. What he said he offered, what he said he would do. And the way he followed through it on a a way that would change the course of history and the world forever. And I would give you these three things to follow if you do give it a try. Ask God to speak to you. Sit in silence. Reflect on and write down what it is that you might get from it. If it's felt like more duty than delight, I encourage you, just take some time to get to know Jesus a little more closely again through this very simple practice. If you don't know where to start or you are curious about this, come and have a chat. We can pick a gospel that might be best for you. Over time, as I've spent more and more time with practices like this, trying to smash the picture of God that I have so that it might be more accurate, and this is a never-ending journey, and I know there's people in this room who've been on this journey for longer than me who would share the passion for it you come across things like this in psalm chapter 119 verses 9 through 16 how can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word okay this is making sense if i follow a particular set of rules then it's all going to be okay this is the christianity i expected and i know and we continue I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Good. Commands. Yes. Easy. Follow. That's what I do. This will happen. Got it. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Great. Another duty. Awesome. I understand that. I read it. I I memorize it. I learn to live it out. And, you know, it's good that we keep going. And it starts to get a little bit different here. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Okay, yep, decrees. With which my lips I recount all the laws. Yep, more rules. That come from your mouth. But then look where it goes next. I rejoice. Okay, now this is getting strange. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices In great riches. Okay. So the statutes, the laws, the commands, the rules, they're actually supposed to cause me to rejoice? Okay, now this is getting a little strange. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. It's not often we find any kind of literature where you have words like commands, decrees, laws, statutes, precepts, and maybe that's what you've come to expect of faith. So maybe that's more that side, but then in the very same instructions, in the very same verses, the author's using words like heart, praise, rejoice, meditate, delight. Maybe you haven't associated Jesus with delight as much as... You've associated him with Judy. But as we kick off this conversation over the next few weeks, here's my encouragement. Would you pause to either discover or maybe for you, rediscover the delight that it seems Jesus has for us based on his words and hopefully You can see it reflected in the lives of some of those following Jesus around you. Would we rediscover the delight as well as continue to practice the duties? When we moved to Canberra, I was really worried that I'd lose one of my favourite hobbies, well, that I was going to lose one of my favourite hobbies because it's particularly hard to surf here in Canberra. And I was a little unsure of what I'd use to replace it because surfing for me was not just like a great fun thing to do, but also a time of reflection and taking in creation and all these sorts of things. It was kind of like, oh, well, I wonder what that's going to be in in Canberra instead. And it took me about six months. And then uh, this guy down here took me on my new hobby for the the first time. He, He even lent me a bike and he took me on this journey mountain biking for the first time can't really see it too well but in the picture on the right you can see that i've actually gotten faster than charles now and that's him walking up the hill behind me because i'm already up the hill but the, one of the things that i've come to love about this even perhaps more than surfing is there's these moments where you're you're pumping uphill and it's really hard work and your heart rates up and you're losing your breath and then you get to the top and you're forced to stop and take a breath you're just forced to because if you tried to go down the hill straight away after pedaling up the hill, it was bad news, straight into a tree I reckon because no concentra- uh, heart rate's still at 200. Just give me a sec to catch my breath. And then it's, it's moments like that where you pause and scenes like this. Those are two, ve- like, they look like good photos but they're just on me and my iPhone and I'm not a photographer, I can tell you that much. And it's moments where you pause to take that breath and you just recognize what's around you again. And the beauty that's there that you would have missed, that I would have missed if I just kept pedaling and went straight back down the hill again. That only happens because I'm forced to stop and take it in. So here's the, here's the practical question that I want to finish part one of this on. Hurry is the death of joy. Hurry can be the death, in some ways, of the delight that it seems should be a part of our spiritual lives. If we don't take the time to stop, if we are too busy, which I know we all feel that, to just stop and be, the duties will become loud and the delights will fade into the background. So the question is what do you need to stop? Doing, so that you can start delighting. What would provide you an opportunity to stop? Look again at the gospel, at the person of Jesus, at your creator, at who he says you are in his eyes. Have you given yourself the time to stop? And do that recently if not where might be the opportunity like for me at the top of a mountain sometimes where might be the opportunity that you can take the time to stop look again and begin delighting love to pray for us and we'll close if you could bow your heads and close your eyes heavenly father we thank you for your word we thank you for the words we have recorded that Jesus came not only to give us duties and guardrails and disciplines. Absolutely, Lord, those things hold us in such good stead so much of the time. But it's clear as well that you wanted so much more than just some kind of dry rule-following reality for those following you. But Heavenly Father, you wanted us to delight in your creation, delight in who you are, delight in who you say we are. So today, Lord, would you help us again to rediscover, to rediscover delight in the way that we follow you? Not only the duties, Lord, though we need them, but would you help us to stop, just to take the time to pause, to stop long enough to recognize just how good you are, just how incredible What Jesus did for us is. And how breathtaking the offer of grace that you give to each and every one of us is. Lord, I pray for those in the room and those listening later online as well. Lord, that whether it's a first impression gone wrong or maybe we never even take the time to form an impression of what it is to follow you. I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to rediscover and find what it is to find the balance between the duties that we have in following you and the delight that you offer in the process of doing it. Go before us into this week, Holy Spirit. Fill us with your peace, your love. Pray this all in Jesus' mighty name we say, Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this week's message. We hope it was helpful to you and practical for your life. Ultimately, we pray that this inspired you to consider taking a next step in your relationship with Jesus, whatever that may look like for you. If that's something you would like to do, we would encourage you to get in touch with us via the details in the podcast description. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.